Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Lying the Points, a Rotovis podcast brought to you by my bookie. I'm Anthony Amico. Find me on Twitter at Amixta. And my co-host is Action Network writer Matt LaMarca. You can follow on Twitter at Matt LaMarca. Matt, how's it going? Going pretty well. Um, got to enjoy a nice Jacob deGrom victory over the New York Yankees yesterday, uh, which is always enjoyable for me. And really starting to get cranking with some of this uh, fantasy stuff, which is awesome for me too. So uh, yeah, good time of year, man. Really good time of year. Yeah, definitely. Um, we also got uh, an almost Tiger win over the oh, weekend. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a great great watch too. Yeah, I was really hoping that, he, that he'd get it. But, I mean, Vintage Tiger, after playing like all those holes on Saturday, was, uh, was pretty cool. So hopefully he just gets one. Yep, and he seems like a lock now to make the Ryder Cup team. I mean, he might have gotten in e- either way regardless of name value, but... At this point, like you can't make a case that he doesn't deserve one of those at-large captains picks. So, uh, the U.S. team for the Ryder Cup is just going to be like stupidly strong. Yeah. Who? Uh, so, I mean, I'm trying to think. So that would be like what? Spieth, uh, Brooks. Yeah. The eight, Tiger. The eight guys Justin that Thomas. got in were Patrick Reed, Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, DJ, Kapka. Uh, I saw your boy Webb Simpson qualified for one of the automatic spots. Nice. Uh, Spieth, and I'm missing the seventh, but it's a, it's another really good golfer. The guys who they're saying will get the captain's picks are, are Phil and Tiger, obviously for two of them, and then that leaves two more. Um, but there's a pretty strong group of guys to pick from. You know, Kevin Kisner's played really well. Um I'm blanking on some of the other names, but you should go read a piece Jason Sobel just wrote about it over at Action Network where he kind of breaks down his picks for the four spots. So if you're looking for more Ryder Cup info, that would be my uh, my recommended destination for you. Nice. All right. Good plug. Uh, well, today, man. yeah, company in. On the show today, we're going to be talking wide receivers, wide receiver receiving props, wide receiver fantasy stuff. Before we get into all that, I just want to remind everyone, you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass by subscribing through the podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, so we're going to talk receivers today, like I said, this first tier of wideouts. And again, this is to uh, lead the league in receiving yards. We have, of course, Antonio Brown, plus 255, Julio Jones, plus 400, DeAndre Hopkins, plus 950. Odell is plus 1050 and Keenan Allen is 11-1. Um, Matt, I mean, what do you think about some of these guys? Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a scare yesterday with Antonio Brown in terms of injury. It turns out he's okay. Uh, he's been pretty dominant. Like, what do you think about his chances here? 
Yeah, I think he's deservedly the favorite, you know. Um, But before we get into Brown himself, I want to go through some of the numbers. Uh, I looked back at the at the last 10 years, the guy who's led the league in receiving. And basically you need, uh, on average, a little over 1,600 yards. Um, you obviously need to play a lot of games. Eight of the 10 have played the full 16. The other two were Josh Gordon in that monster season where he played only 14. And then Antonio Brown last year only played 14. Um, the, the big one to me is that the average guy receives on uh, approximately 170 targets. Um, that's inflated. There are a couple of 200 target seasons. Calvin Johnson in 2012, Julio in uh, 2015. But he's going to need to be a huge focal point of the offense. It's about 11 targets per game on average. And the, the most interesting stat for me here is that the team that they play for needs to accumulate a lot of passing yards. You know, that that makes sense on the surface, but I think that if you look at the odds, that's not necessarily always priced in. Um, every, te- every league leader for the past 10 years has been on a team that was in the top nine for passing yards for that season, and on average, the team has finished in the top four. So that really kind of narrows the list down, in my opinion. If you're looking for someone who can realistically win this prop, you're going to want to pick him somebody for a team that can put up a ton of passing yards. Yeah, I think all that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, a lot of times I think when we look at this, we look at the quality of the player, but you definitely want to consider the overall overall quality of the offense. I think that's kind of what makes Brown such a good pick is that obviously that the, the passing offense is usually pretty good and Brown is obviously amazing. Right, yep. He led the league in targets last year. Uh, Pittsburgh was second in terms of passing yardage. So there's a lot to like about Antonio. I don't know if I necessarily would back him at plus 255. That seems a little bit thin. But um, if he stays healthy and Ben stays healthy, you know, I think the odds of him winning this are, are probably better than anybody else on the list. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we've talked a few times. Like, I feel like he is – I'm always on him as, like, the one-on-one in fantasy because he's just so consistent. He's always so good to the top, you know, fantasy wideout for so long. So – Love AB. Um, you know, Julio has been a little down with the touchdowns, but, you know, he's had 1,400 yards in three straight years. Been really consistent. Do you think that he has a shot to kind of get over the hump here? Yeah, if I was going to bet one of the favorites, it would be Julio at plus 400. Uh, I'm expecting better things from the Falcons' offense this year. They definitely took a, a step back last year with the new head coach, but I think towards the end of the year in particular, he started to figure some things out. Um, if you read Warren Sharp's preview, he, he's bullish on the Falcons. He thinks that, you know, they're going to be a little bit more aggressive targeting Julio on first down, which is where he really excelled at two years ago when Matt Ryan was the MVP. So, uh, I think this offense should be really explosive. You know, they're loaded all over the place. Um, but unlike Antonio Brown, Julio is like the only guy who you would really say is, you know, a stud. The Steelers still have Juju, who's an up-and-coming producer. They've got Lev Bell catching passes out of the backfield. The Falcons really ride or die through Julio Jones. So uh, I like his upside this year. He's actually my wide receiver, too, in fantasy right now. I- I'm I'm banking on a big year from Julio. If he can find the end zone, he has the potential to be you know, wide receiver one, maybe even the highest-scoring non-quarterback. 
Yeah, that's the uh, that's the Hermsmeyer joke, you know, never Julio because he doesn't score and people like get mad at Julio. It's like it's a pretty it's pretty dumb. Like, obviously, I guess like if you play him like in DFS or your season long leagues, you tilt when he doesn't score. But he just gets you all the yards, like all the yards. He's going to get you the yard bonus. He's going to catch a bunch of passes. So like if you play DK, like he still gets you like a bunch of points. I don't know. Right. And it's not like he doesn't get targets in the red zone. He he had a lot of targets there last year. He just didn't convert them. And I'm not banking on that being like a sticky thing for Julio. Like I know, like you said, he he really hasn't done it, but there's no reason why he shouldn't be a big time touchdown producer. So yep. uh, I think that when that eventually happens, he's going to crush. Definitely. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell, Keenan Allen, these guys are all pretty much in the same odds range. And, you know, coming off pretty different seasons, like Hopkins obviously had the, the monster year. Uh, saw a ton of volume, 35% of the targets for Houston. Odell missed most of the year. He was injured. And uh, Keenan Allen was a little slow early, but then pretty dominant over the season's second half. So who, who do you kind of like out of those three? Of the three, I would pick Odell. Uh, but I have, you know, concerns with all of them. Hopkins is definitely a target monster. But I just don't know if he has the big play ability that you need to be a, a league leader in yardage. You know, he had 171 targets last year. I don't think that he's going to really improve on that much. And he only managed 1,378 yards. So even having that many targets, it's not like he was even really that close to winning the award. So I I just don't know if he's got enough big playability. And the same goes for Keenan Allen. He's going to get a lot of targets and catches, but he's not really a big play threat either. Um, You can't say that about Odell. That guy might be the bit the best big play receiver in the game. My concern is more just about the overall Giants passing volume. Um, They were seventh in 2014 and 2015 in passing yards, but 16th and then 19th last season. So it remains to be seen if the Giants are going to pass enough for, for my, in my opinion, for Odell to get the yardage necessary. Still love him in fantasy. Um, Still have no problem taking him in the first round. Just don't know if he's going to have enough uh, just total volume compared to guys like Antonio and Julio. Yeah, definitely reasonable. I mean, the the Odell spot in particular is is very strange to me because, um, like, he has competition kind of because of Ingram and uh, Saquon and Shepard a little bit, I guess, even though I kind of still think Shepard sucks. Um, But... (laughs) There's like nobody else on the roster who's capable of catching a, a pass in, in a professional football game. Like <laughs> Roger Lewis, Cody Latimer, like all ass. So like it's it's weird because like even giving up some volume to some of those other guys, like you'd expect Odell to still be towards the top of the league in like target share right. on his in- individual offense. It's just a matter of like, can they get the attempts like you were saying? Can they keep Eli up? You know, can Shermer kind of work the magic a little bit? Like, I, I am happy that they have upgraded the offensive line from a pass blocking perspective. I think that they'll be a little bit better, but there is a lot of projecting that you have to do for Odell this year. Right. And if things go as planned for the Giants, they probably want to be a little more balanced than they were last year. You know, they right. were, they had the third highest pass percentage last season. Obviously, after spending the number two pick on a running back. If they uh, aren't behind in a lot of games, they're going to want to feature him, I think. So that those are the main reasons why I'm, I'm a little bit down on OBJ for this prop. All right, let's get into Tier 2. We have Michael Thomas, 15-1, to 1, A.J. Green, 16-1, to 
Mike Evans plus 1675, Adam Thielen 17-1, and T.Y. Hilton plus 1750. Matt's thoughts on this group? Yeah, I really like this tier. Uh, I think that Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, and T.Y. Hilton in particular all have the potential to you know, hit the, the target threshold that we're looking for and play for offenses that are going to air it out. Um, Michael Thomas, the Saints, we're expecting some passing regression from them. You know, they were so run heavy last year, uh, but but Breeze was arguably the best he's ever been in terms of efficiency. So if some of the volume comes back up, Michael Thomas has huge, huge potential. Uh, Mike Evans with Jameis Winston, you know, they, Winston was on pace to lead the league in yardage before he got hurt. I don't think the Bucks are going to be much improved this season, so I think they're going to need to, to air it out. Um, the fact that Jameis won't be there for the first couple of games obviously hurts Evans, but he's he's super talented and, and should get enough volume. I'm not really worried so much about Chris Godwin, um, even though I saw some people saying that you know they're expecting big year from him. I, I think that if he's good, that only helps, helps Evans, who's still the clear number one. Um, and then Hilton is my favorite bet in this tier. He might be my yes. favorite bet in all the tiers. This is just a, a prime bounce-back situation for him. Last time Luck played a full season, Hilton led the league in yardage. So it's not like you have to do a whole lot of extrapolating to to predict a good season for him. He's the perfect combination of a guy who will have big plays, is going to be explosive, and is going to get you know the necessary targets to to approach the league lead. Um, if anything, this offense should feature Hilton a little bit more than it did the last time Luck was there because they just don't have as many good guys. You know, they have the tight ends who should sort of work the intermediate part of the field, I guess. Um, you know I like Ryan Grant, but he's still Ryan Grant. <laughs> and the running game should be pretty much a non-factor for them. So as long as Luck is healthy, um, I think their offensive line is going to be better. Uh, I, I really like T.Y. Hilton. He's probably my wide receiver six this year for fantasy. And uh, I really love him for this yardage prop. Uh, I love the take. I mean, I am obviously a huge T.Y. Hilton guy. Well, maybe not obviously. I don't know. I guess how would you know that, right? Um, <laughs> I uh, just a really good player. Like if you look at, you know, college, NFL, whatever it is, the guy's just like never not produced on the football field. Uh, he's pretty high in my projections also. So uh, definitely a huge fan there. And if you just look at the production with luck, his last uh, three seasons with Lux, so 2014, 15, 16, uh, over 37 games, he is pacing uh, 150 targets, 14, 21 yards, seven touchdowns. So the the numbers are really, really good. Basically the same kind of production that we were discussing already about, like with Julio um, you know, in terms of the yards. And you get him at a, a much better price on the prop. So... Yeah, and I think I would take the over on 130 targets if you play 16 games. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Hilton, in my projections, came out as the wide receiver nine. So that's pretty good for a guy that's going not at wide receiver nine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he's probably rising a little bit now, but I feel like he's like you can always get him in the third round. Right. The other two guys in this tier are interesting. I mean, A.J. Green is somebody who in principle, should be up here. You know, he's a really, really good receiver, really good football player. I just don't think the Bengals are going to pass enough, you know. Uh, they're another team that I actually like a lot for fantasy this year, but I think that if they're 
going to be a, a solid offense, that Joe Mixon is going to be a big part of that. So I don't think that, you know, airing it out with Andy Dalton is necessarily going to be their preferred course of action. And Adam Thielen, a lot of the same concerns with the volume. You know, he has to share with Stefan Diggs, who, if the first preseason game is any indication, he's going to be the preferred target of Case Keenum. I'm sorry, not of Case Keenum, of uh, Kirk Cousins. Cousins and we'll, we'll see if that happens. I mean, it's just one quarter of one preseason game. But Thielen was uh, among the league leaders in targets per game last season. He averaged uh, 8.9. I could see some decline there. Um, I, you know, again, like, we'll see what happens with the offense. But if Dalvin Cook is, is going and Stefan Diggs is playing up to his potential, I think that Thielen could be a, a regression candidate. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, you know, fantasy Twitter loves Diggs. Loves Diggs. Has to have him. So you could pretty much see, like, you could definitely see the workload kind of inverting. Like, there's a lot to the fact that, like, Shermer put Theon in the slot a bunch, and Keenum doesn't, like, have the same kind of arm as someone like Cousins, so that kind of limits his work. And obviously Diggs is kind of, like, always hurt. So, I mean, for me, the real X factor is more the health of Diggs and... You know, I think overall, I do think the offense is going to kind of like ball out. But uh, same thing we mentioned when we were talking about uh, Dalvin Cook on that show. Like, if the defense is good, right, and the offense is good, and that means the team is good, then like maybe we don't get the volume that we want. Agreed. Uh, we're gonna get into tier three, but first, I just want to talk a little bit about my bookie. Doesn't matter if you've been a player for years or you like a team just because their colors match your favorite shoes. Lay down some money and score big on NFL football, join me and thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. If you're sick and tired of getting the runaround when asking for a payout, join at mybookie. I would only recommend a service that has been good to me and my listeners. So I'm telling you to make your way over to mybookie. You win, they pay, and they pay fast without any hassles. You're absolutely wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting. So you can place a bet after kickoff. Join now. And MyBookie will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. Just use promo code LANGTHEPOINTS to activate this special offer. That's LANGTHEPOINTS, no spaces. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie.ag. Tier 3 of these receivers. Devontae Adams, 30-1. to 1. Doug Baldwin, 35-1. to 1. Josh Gordon, plus 38.50. Amari Cooper, plus 41.50. Tyreek Hill plus 4,500 and Tamarius Thomas plus 4,775. Uh, now, Matt, I'm, I'm going to cut to Gordon here for a second because I think like a couple months ago, we recommended this prop and it was a lot higher. Um, it's come down to plus 3,850. Like Josh Gordon hasn't been in camp. Like, what do you kind of think of this one? The camp stuff doesn't really worry me. I mean, uh, I expect him to be back. It sounds like the team expects him to be back. And the guy is a stud. So I do think there's still some value in 3850. The The bigger concern for me is Jarvis Landry. You know, like, I think Jarvis Landry is a real threat to lead the team in targets, even if Josh Gordon is the better player. Um, he seems like, you know, a lock for 100 or so. And if he's going to get that many balls, I think it's going to be tough for Gordon to to get the volume necessary to 
to to lead the league in yardage. Um, I'm not worried at all about the quarterback play. When he led the league in yards, he was catching passes from Jason Campbell and Brandon Wheaton. So that's uh, a pretty awful one-two punch right there. You know, I expect Tyrod and Baker Mayfield to be better than those guys. So uh, I have no concerns about the quarterback play or, or the offense in general, really. It's more just about the fact that I don't think he's going to be like a true number one alpha dog type of guy. That's definitely fair. Um, I have been like really aggressively scooping Gordon in fantasy. I know we've been talking about these uh, like best ball championship drafts and the mini best ball on a uh, draft. I have been like Josh Gordon in the fifth round to me is just like an auto pick because like there's a definitely a low floor, but there's also like wide receiver eight ceiling or something, you know, and that's uh, it's pretty good. I think at that value. For sure. I, I I have a ton of Josh Gordon as well. Um, unfortunately, I drafted him a little earlier in most of my drafts. He was going in like the fourth round back when I was getting the majority of my exposure. But yeah, like his ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan would say. Eek. So like, yeah, he, he's a monster. I mean, and if you consider the fact that this guy had, did what he did and he really wasn't even sober at the time that he was doing it, it's just mind-boggling how good he could be. So <clears throat> I have no problem with Gordon in fantasy. And uh, if you wanted to take him at 38.50, I wouldn't really fight against you either. All right, let's talk about some of these other guys. Uh, Devontae Adams is the kind of the leader for this group. But uh, you know, it, it doesn't really seem like Rodgers, we talked about this in the QB show, is really a big yardage guy. Like He really wins the touchdowns. Adams himself has never even had 1,000 yards receiving in a season. So... I feel like this is kind of a stay away. What, what do you think about that? Monster stay away. I mean, you said it. Like, I looked at the Packers passing numbers, and for the most part, they're never really in the top five. Um, maybe that he'll, they'll get, you know, somewhere inside the top ten, but not inside the top five. But like you said, Rodgers is a touchdown machine. He's not a yardage machine. And that goes doubly for Devontae Parker. He's averaging less than 12 yards per catch for his career. So for him to realistically approach the yardage title, he'd need to get, you know, at least a minimum of 120 catches. That just seems ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, he's an easy sell for me at plus 3,000. Uh, Doug Baldwin is missing time this preseason, uh, but I feel like him, Cooper, and and Hill are kind of similar in the sense that like they make a lot of big plays. Um, you know, what do you kind of think about guys like that in general in this kind of a prop? And who do you like out of those three? The big plays are nice, but the volume is more important. And I think that the clear winner here in terms of volume is Amari Cooper. Um, if if Derek Carr is good, and that's a big if, he, he has the potential to be a top five wide receiver this year. I mean, he's that talented. I know I don't have to sell you on Amari Cooper, but that's right. no more Crabtree. You know, he should be the true number one for the first time in his career. And the guy's a stud, so I like him. Uh, Baldwin, I like for fantasy purposes, especially where he's going right now. It seems like people are scared of the injury. But this would be a huge step up in class for him. You know, he has never eclipsed 125 targets. He only had 116 last year, and that was with the Seahawks, I feel like, throwing it on like every play. So I, I just don't see a huge jump in that category for him. He might score a bunch of touchdowns, 
you know, Jimmy Graham obviously was a huge red zone threat, and he's now gone. So that's more where my appeal of Baldwin comes from. But I don't think he's going to be a, you know, 1,600-yard type of guy. Um, and then Tyreek Hill, again, I brought him up when we first started talking about these, but I've cooled down a bit on him. Uh, I'm starting to really buy Sammy Watkins as emerging as the, the number one wide receiver for the Chiefs. You know, I, I always loved Watkins' talent, but kind of had forgotten about him a little bit, given how everything played out for him in Buffalo and then in St. Louis last year. But if he's healthy, I think that he's the better player, and I think that he should, you know, get more targets than Hill. Um, Hill's obviously still going to score a lot of long touchdowns. He's that fast and has that kind of game-breaking ability, but I just don't think he gets the uh, the target volume with Watkins now in town and, and obviously Travis Kelsey as well. Yeah, I mean, you know I'm out on Ty Fluke. Uh, I'm, I really hope. I don't think it's not obviously like a favorite to happen, but I would love if Watkins just like outscored him this year. I would I would take a couple of victory laps on that one. It probably won't happen. Though. I mean, that doesn't mean that Tyreek Hill is bad, by the no, way. No, no, no. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's bad. I'm off that. I just I just don't think he's as good as he has been. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's all about volume and touchdowns. That's what fantasy scoring comes down to, right? I mean, and that's true of basically all positions. So if his volume goes down or his touchdowns go down, it's going to be hard for him to live up to what he did last year. But I still think yeah. that kind of like Deshaun Jackson – just having him on the field is going to provide a lot of value for that offense because you can't forget about him. You almost always have to give safe, safety help. Like he he might be better as a real football player than he is as a fantasy asset. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, those guys are awesome. I think just in terms of what they do for football. But if you like volume, Demarius Thomas kind of seems to be the guy. He's had at least 140 targets every year since 2012. Uh, first time under a thousand yards last year since 2012, but that was under a different quarterbacking regime. You know, now we got Case Keenum on board. Any hope for DT on the prop? Any hope for DT in fantasy? I like him in fantasy. I mean, again, like he's going in the sixth round ish, and it's hard to find that kind of volume in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Broncos are going to be a good team this year. I think we both kind of agree on that, but I think that that plays into the the mindset that they want to use their defense and then and then lean on their running game. You know, again, it's it's I don't want to overreact to the preseason, but Royce Freeman looked really good. Um if if he's a legit running back and the defense is as good as I expect it to be, I just don't know if he's going to have as much opportunities to to put up big yardage. Um Keenum, not really a guy that I think is going to air it out either. So while I like Thomas, I don't think I would take him at forty-seven seventy-five. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I mean, it would take—he'd have to really start making those long plays again, which he hasn't really done in a while. Right. So he's—he's he's definitely fading a little bit. Uh, tier four: Alshon Jeffrey plus fifty-five hundred. I mean, we can pretty much scratch him off because uh, may open the year on pup. But we have Diggs sixty to one, Marvin Jones plus sixty-five fifty, Brandon Cook sixty-nine to one. Nice. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, 70 to one golden Tate, 71 to one Larry Fitz plus 7150. And, uh, the aforementioned Sammy Watkins plus 8250. Uh, I mean, I guess if you had to pick like a favorite here, Matt, kind of who would it be? And, uh, what are your thoughts kind of overall in the group? Yeah, this is where it starts to get tough. 
Um, you know, all these guys have one red flag or another. You know, Rob Gronkowski is interesting. It would be very hard, I think, for a tight end to lead the league in yardage. But if the Pats, like, just took the collar off of him and let him do his thing, I think that could happen. The thing is, I don't see that. I don't see the Patriots, you know, unleashing Rob Gronkowski for the full 16 games during the regular season. You know, like, at this point, they know what they're playing for, which is to try and win another Super Bowl. And the best way to do that is to keep Gronk kind of in bubble wrap and uh, just get him healthy into the playoffs. So he's interesting to me at, at 70 to 1, but I don't think I'm really buying him. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald at 71.50, you know he's going to get the volume. Like he's still, even at age 35, is just a target machine. He ha- averaged 10.1 targets per game last year which trailed only Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, David Johnson being back might hurt him in that regard, but it honestly could make the offense better, which would also help him. So he's somewhat interesting to me. And then Sammy Watkins at 82.50, like just going off of what I said about him being the number one option for the Chiefs, the Chiefs offense is good. Like they are loaded all over the place. If Pat Mahomes is good and we're both fans, there is a scenario where Sammy Watkins has like, you know, a 1,400-yard season. I, I do see that as a possible outcome. Um, I think he'd probably need to get lucky to, to win this award with maybe some injuries ahead of him. But when we're talking, you know, getting 82.5 to 1, if he wins it one out of every 50 times, that's good value. So uh, I might be interested in him as well. Um, but those are the three guys that really stand out to me in this tier. I like it, Matt. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Watkins guy. I don't even know how that happened. That I became a Watkins guy. Cause I was like, when he came out, I was all, all over Evans and I wasn't really into Watkins, but I, he just makes so many fun plays. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's really good. <laughs> that, right. Yeah, exactly. That's called being, being, uh, willing to adjust your takes. And I think that that's a sharp thing. You know, there are a lot of people who, once they plant their flag, they're willing to die on that hill. And, uh, what makes somebody smart is, the ability to change their mind, you know, like the, the smart, what's the saying? Like the only true knowledge is knowing that, you know, nothing at all, you know, like the, the ability to adapt to new information and change your mind, I think is super underrated in all aspects of life, but certainly in fantasy sports as well. Boom. Philosophized here on the laying the points podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my issue with a bunch of these guys obviously is just that they don't get, they're like slot guys, like Fitz, Tate, um, I mean, I guess Gronk technically to an extent, uh, even dig sometimes like they don't get like enough yards per catch and they don't do quite enough to like hit these numbers that you want. I, I like I would like Brandon Cook so much more if I thought that the Rams had a chance to suck. But there is like outside of like team mutiny, there's like <laughs> a really it's really hard for me to think that they're bad enough for them to throw enough. For Cooks to like really make an impression on that bet. I think next year is the year for Brandon Cooks. I think year one, it's going to be, you know, let's get acclimated. Year two is when he really flies. All right. I like it. Long shots. Allen Robinson, Juju, Crabtree, Pierre Garçon, and Travis Kelsey are all 100 to 1. Corey Davis, 105 to 1. Julian Edelman, 115 to 1. Marquis Goodwin, plus 1. Plus 120,000, or yeah, yeah, no, plus 12,000. Uh, <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders, math, 
Emmanuel Sanders plus uh, 12,500. Jordan Nelson plus 13,000. Chris Hogan plus 13,500. And Cooper Cup, same thing as uh, Hogan. So long shots here, Matt. You have a preferred target in this range? I like Marquise Goodwin at 120,000. <laughs> Can I get those odds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carry the four. Uh. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I think that a lot of these guys are pretty easy cross-offs, right? The two that I think have the potential to be, you know, number one receivers in their offense and be in situations where they could get enough targets are Allen Robinson and Corey Davis. Um, I've kind of poo-pooed the whole Bears, you know, offensive explosion the the whole offseason. But after reading the Sharp Football Guide, and again, I'm going to give him another plug because he's just one of the best in the industry right now. And I think that reading his stuff is, is plus EV for everybody. Um, there are a lot of things to like about Chicago. And if Allen Robinson is healthy and he's a number one and Mitch Trubisky can take some step forwards in year two, I think they have the potential for a big season. Uh, I'm banking on him more in fantasy than I am to f- for this yardage prop. I mean, all these guys are super long shots, but I think that there's a, a situation where every one out of 100 simulations, Allen Robinson leads the league. The other guy, like I said, Corey Davis. I'm buying Mariota this year. I'm buying the Titans, and I've been trying to get Corey Davis in every format. Like, I'm trying to get him so hard in dynasty leagues to the point where I'm considering trading, you know, Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham as part of a package to get him. Like, I think that the Corey Davis explosion is coming. All he has to do is stay healthy. And that's a, that's a big if for sure. But, uh, if he does stay healthy, I think that he should no doubt lead the Titans in offense. And hopefully their new coach is willing to bring their offense into the 20th century. I'll take the 20th. The 21st would be nice, but I'll take the 20th at this point. So, yeah, I think there are reasons to be optimistic about Davis and the Titans for sure. I like all that, Matt. Um, you know you know who I'm about to cape for, right? The Juju man. Yeah, the Juju machine. I, uh, I obviously think that Juju is very good, but I like the bet on him just because very similar like fantasy when we make like, the anti-fragile selection. like. One one injury all of a sudden makes Juju like one of the guys in like the second or third tier, maybe. Yep. Because if AB gets hurt or if Lev gets hurt, there's going to be a lot of volume coming his way. And when you give good players a lot of volume, obviously they can score a lot of fantasy points and pick up a lot of yards, all this stuff. So you get him at 100 to 1, you know, one injury would make him maybe like even a 21 wager. Like you get. You get some good odds, I think, just on like the overall range of outcomes, even if his like median projection would be like nowhere near this prop. And that's what I think that the odds are kind of based on. Yeah, that's that's super sharp because you're right. If Antonio Brown got hurt tomorrow, he would be like probably somewhere between 20 and 30 to one, you know, and what are the odds of Antonio Brown getting hurt? Uh, You know, definitely greater than you know, whatever the difference in equity is there. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we've already seen a couple of injury scares with Brown. So uh, I, I really hope he doesn't get hurt <laughs> since it's I just same. since I just drafted him uh, in our startup dynasty that we did. But uh, yeah, I mean, of all the guys here, that is probably 
the 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 most realistic outcome. Thanks, Matt. I like when you call me sharp, by the way. Yeah, you like should, that? Can we make that a segment? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. I, I'll do it. I'll try to do it at least once a show. All right. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> now, super bombs. Yeah. These are the fun ones. Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, Rashard Matthews, and Zach Ertz are all 150 to 1. Devontae Parker is plus uh, 16,500. Kelvin Benjamin plus 18,500. Uh, Devin Funchess and Randall Cobb are both 200 to 1. Greg Olson, 210 to 1. Robbie Anderson plus 21,500. Calvin Ridley plus 22,500. DJ Moore and Evan Ingram, same thing. And then DJAX plus 27,500. Are any of these super mega bombs worthy of a flyer? I'm curious to see if you like any of them before I give my takes. Okay. I mean, I think that Jarvis Landry, I, I mean, not to cheat because he's the top guy on the list, but like. That's not cheating. He's in the tier. Yeah. So like, I mean, if Josh Gordon just doesn't play, like we already kind of think that Landry has a good chance to lead the team in targets, even if Gordon does play. If all of a sudden, you know, three weeks goes by and they're like, all right, just kidding. Josh Gordon needs to, you know stay in rehab or, you know, he had another offense, he suspended, you know, whatever, all these things, you know, Jarvis Landry, again, could see like 150 targets and maybe they wouldn't all be like five yards in front of the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, that's, could, that's true. You know, and he could have like a big year. So I, I actually do kind of like that. Um, maybe also Robbie Anderson. If Sam, if Sam Darnold is good, yes. I feel like you get a lot of value there. All right. I was, I was definitely thinking Robbie Anderson and, didn't want to just be accused of being a jet fan so <laughs> i'm happy that you you broke the seal on him um yeah i think again i think that the landry thing that's a really good take like on the off chance that that gordon doesn't play and it's probably not even an off chance i mean i think they said the guy has played five football games in the last four years like betting on josh gordon to be absent is not, is not a huge stretch so again like i think we both are really hoping that he does come back but you know, being a speculator means using your head, not your heart. So I think that Landry makes a lot of sense there. Uh, I also think that Devin Funches is somewhat interesting. Like uh, Carolina, they they should throw the ball a lot. You know, like I, I don't want to see them pound the ball with C.J. Anderson that much this year. Like their best offense is let's spread it out. Let's let Cam do his thing. You know, Cam runs and Cam hucks. And I think that Funches really took a step last year. I don't know if he'll get the true volume to be considered like a number one wide receiver, but of all the guys on this list, with the exception of Jarvis Landry, I think that he probably has the best chance. Um, so yeah, I, I think Landry, Anderson, Funches, and then maybe some Randall Cobb, you know, like, would it shock you if Devontae Adams is like not that good? Uh, it would not shock me, no. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me either, like. Uh, I think that Randall Cobb could potentially be the number one option for the Packers. So, you know, he supposedly is feeling as good as he's felt since he posted a really big year. Uh, I believe it was in 2015. So if that's true and Rodgers leans on him a little more than expected, maybe he has an outside chance as well. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely like that. I've been drafting Cobb a ton. So much Cobb. Um, all of it. I just, I with the Funches thing, I just want to ask, like, do you... Do you fear DJ Moore? I mean, obviously that's like priced in. So like, do you, but do you think that 
there's the scenario where like Moore is just either like not ready or maybe he's just not that good and Funch just kind of ends up getting more volume than maybe we expect. Um, I just don't think Moore is going to be like a monster target hog in year one. You know, I think he might be more of like a big play type guy. The guy that I fear more from a volume perspective is Greg Olson because the majority of the work that Funches did at the end of last season came when, when Olson was out of the lineup. And if he's healthy, you know, I still think that Cam might lean on him, uh, certainly more than he leaned on Ed Dixon, even though Ed Dixon had some moments for the, <laughs> for the Panthers. But, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, overall, this is going to be an offense that spreads it out, but I just think that there is some equity with Funches at plus, you know, 20,000. Like you're getting 200 to one on it. If, if Olsen gets hurt again and maybe more isn't ready, you know, I think that there's some, some potential equity with that. All right. I like it. You know, I'm big on the, uh, the big plus money bets. So that's, uh, he doesn't take much convincing. <laughs> All right. Any, uh, any other thoughts on, you know, any of these guys, the receiver position as a whole, uh, life, I don't know anything. Yeah. I mean, I already gave my philosopher takes. Um, let's see. I just think in general, in general, again, you want to lean on guys in offenses that you think are not just going to be good, but are going to put up a lot of passing yards. You know, that might sound obvious, but again, like if you look at some of these odds, like that's not necessarily being priced in all over the place. We already mentioned like Devontae Adams, he has a chance to be a good fantasy receiver, but he's probably going to do that on the back of, you know, double digit touchdowns, you know, so just be careful with some of these look to, uh, exploit yardage inefficiencies. Remember that bad teams end up throwing a lot too. You know, like when, when, uh, Josh Gordon led the league, the Browns were surprisingly within the top 10 in passing yardage, you know, and that was mainly because Josh Gordon is a beast, but also because they were trailing a lot. So, uh, that's, that's really what I would say. Keep in mind with this. I like all the takes, Matt. I appreciate you bringing a lot of hard-hitting knowledge to the show, and uh, I'm pumped that we're a week closer to football starting. So Yeah, man. Speaking of, preseason week two. You got any preseason takes for the people? Oh, not yet. I'm actually supposed to be working on my research today, so hopefully we get uh, some good stuff. It's actually like a really nice uh, like slate of games, like the main, the kind of like, I guess, the, the main slate, quote-unquote. It's, uh, it's only four games on Thursday, and it's like a lot of, Premier teams like Patriots, Packers, uh, you know, so a lot of the, a lot of, I think, teams that people are going to want to watch are playing. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm, I'm curious to see how Bill Belichick screws me this week. But yeah, uh, and week two's we'll got to be interesting because the starters, I guess, will play closer to like a quarter. And yeah, obviously those guys are, are more talented than the backups. So it's an interesting philosophical question you know do you target the starters in one quarter or a backup who might play you know two and a half like there's there's a lot of good questions there I know last week you kind of got burnt by some of the you know quote-unquote sexier names um you know like Dallas Goddard even though he was on a death chart of what like six tight ends like yeah he kind of showed out so it'll be interesting I'm sure that the ownership is going to be pretty spread out I could see a lot of people you know, gravitating towards the starters, but there might still be more equity in looking at the backups. So uh, I'm sure that you'll you'll be grinding your research. As far as preseason DFS goes, I don't know many people who do it much harder than you. So yeah, if you're a preseason DFS guy or 
or even betting guy, like make sure you're keeping it locked to the at Amixta for all the take. Thanks, man. Yeah, and the uh, the guy over at Labs, uh, Sean Newsham, he's uh, he's super sharp. We were we we were together at uh, Fantasy Insiders, like he was a sub, and uh, like we would talk all the time in Slack about the preseason. Like he was really into it, and he uh, he obviously has been crushing. So. Yeah, I think he took down 15k last week, so that's a nice yeah. little score. Yeah, he's a monster. So uh, super respect his takes, and uh, yeah. I guess we'll get out of here. I mean, that's going to do it for this edition of Laying the Points. Brought to you by my bookie. Please be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And get that deposit bonus on my bookie for using promo code Laying the Points. For Matt Lamarca, I'm Anthony Miko. May the odds be ever in your favor. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.